Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Discipleship, it's personal part four, final part. Daz has preached the first three weeks and I'm finishing it off today. And it says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Daz has talked about previously in the last three weeks and I encourage you to listen to the podcast if you haven't heard them. But he talked about the ripple effect that we have through our speech, uh, through our conduct, through our love, through purity and through devotion, that the ripple effect can actually go deep and wide into the people's lives around us. That as we live as disciples, that that discipleship has an impact on other people. Uh, He talked about living our life well in a way that is attractive to unbelievers, not in an Instagram attractive way, but in an actual attractive way that um, smacks of love and hope and life and faith, uh, that kind of life, and so that people would actually want to get to know us because there's something different about us. He talked about telling our story, um, getting the before following Jesus, uh, then the decision itself, and then what's been happening since, getting that kind of in a way that's understandable because sometimes when we get put on the spot and asked a question, we can get a bit, ooh, but if we actually have said that to someone before, or a friend who knows Jesus, then we can, at a moment's notice, we're prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have, like the Bible asks us to. And then seeding the gospel. We don't need to know everything. That's good news, isn't it? Don't need to know apologetics and um, the case for Christ by Lee Strobel. You don't need to know the whole book, but you can seed the gospel just by knowing the basics of what Jesus did and why, what it was, what it means, and why it matters. So just being able to see that passionately inviting he talked about and then obeying all things ourselves and instructing others to do the same. That's uh, what we've covered in the last few weeks. So today I just want to fill in a few gaps in this scripture um, as it relates to this foundation scripture. Daz gave the definition of being a disciple as when Jesus speaks, we listen. What Jesus did, we do. Where Jesus leads, we go. Because Jesus is tricky like that. And... um, when that's from a movie um so have you listened i would like to ask you i would like to ask you have you listened to jesus in a very basic way as it relates to your walk with jesus because one of the things he says here therefore go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son of the holy spirit so baptizing them the first sermon was given to the church at the day of pentecost where peter stood up before the crowds thousands of people and, and basically said to them, what you're seeing now, because there was a bit of a manifestation of God being present in that place going on. He said, what you're seeing now is actually just what's been prophesied in the scriptures that we've been reading for hundreds of years. That's what you're seeing right now. And he said, and it's because you all killed Jesus, he says to the crowd. You know, you all killed Jesus, he says to them. And they're like, and he said, but God rose him from the dead. That's the good news. That's the bad news. You killed him. Bad news. He's risen from the dead, good news. And then he says, and in fact, he was the Messiah that was promised to us. And and so they, 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 it says, they say, the reaction is every preacher's dream that what might happen with his word. It says, they'll pierce to the heart. And they said, brothers, what can we do to be saved? And Peter says, repent and be baptized and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. 
And it says that that day, 3,000 were added to the church and baptized right then and there. Right then and there. So this is actually a very simple command that in many ways is very easy to obey. Get baptized. You know, um, there's a lot that Jesus asks of us that is not as easy. Die to yourself daily. Not so easy. (laughs) Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Not so easy. Love each other um, despite of how crazy they all are. Not so easy. Um, You know, forgive again and again and again. Not so easy. Doing a bomb in the water, pretty easy compared to all those things. And, and so baptism is important, and yet so many people wrestle with it, which indicates to me the significance of it. Because if it was just going down in the water and coming back up, that's a pretty easy thing, especially for Aussies. It's not like we're n- not used to the water, and um, it's not like Moana. Well, she was used to the water, but just not beyond the reef. Um, but yeah, so it's pretty simple. So that indicates to me that perhaps there's something significant about it. Let's have a look at it this morning. It's an act of faith and obedience to the example of Christ. In Mark chapter 1, verse 9, it says, At this time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. This was so significant that even John said, oh, I shouldn't be doing this, Jesus. This is not the right way around. You need to baptize me instead. And Jesus said, just, just get it done right now. Okay, let's just do it. It's got to happen. So let's just do it right now. It's so, it was so significant that Jesus said, I have to do this to be an example to everyone to come and to follow. It's not just an act of faith and obedience to the example of Christ. It's an act of faith and obedience to the commands of Christ, which we just read in that scripture. Go and baptize. Baptize everybody. It's going public with your faith. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. This is Mark 16, 16. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. So it doesn't say if you're not baptized, you won't be condemned. It says if you don't believe, you're condemned. But it says the baptism is a very natural progression and follow-on from believing. It's going public with your faith. It's going from death to life. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12 to 14. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Here, it talks about baptism in terms of going from death to life, from grace to grace, baptism. Now, is anyone like me got baptised when they were a baby, like christened, baptised when they were a baby? Yes. Um, Not in the Bible, but that's okay. Like it was a really good intention. Babies in the Bible didn't get baptised because baptism was post-believing and babies don't necessarily believe that much. And so so what happens is it's a decision that adults make and then get baptised. Baptism comes from the Greek word baptismo, which means to immerse into the water and sometimes you see in Greek Orthodox churches and things like that the baby's getting immersed on YouTube funniest thing ever <laughs> it's like okay that baby's either well if it survives it's, it's definitely baptized but but actually it's a decision made following belief in Jesus baptism's often been compared to a wedding ring a wedding ring is a an evidence of being married now can you get baptised and not be a true believer? Absolutely. Has anyone seen the Adam Sandler movie, Just Go With It? Um, <clears throat> typical of all Adam Sandler movies, like budget as, but I think it got a one-star review somewhere. Just Go With It, where pretty much he wore a wedding, wedding ring everywhere, wasn't married, in order to um, get together with chicks um, because then it, he didn't have to commit to them. And so that was his, um, 
That was his deal. Probably never been used in a message before. But so you don't have to be married to have a wedding ring in the same way you don't need to be a true believer in order to have been baptized. But just as the proper appropriation of a wedding ring should be, I love my spouse, I'm committed to them, um, forsaking all others. That's the proper appropriation of a wedding ring. In the same way, baptism is a statement of a true believer saying, I'm serious and I've committed myself to something and I love him and I'm going his way and I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm committed to him. Here's a great, a great um, recount of a story about baptism in the New Testament. I'm going to read uh, a little bit further from what I've got the verses on the screen a little bit earlier. I'm going to start at Acts chapter 8, verse 29. It says, The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk beside the carriage. I just love this, firstly. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, prompted Philip, go over and walk beside the carriage. How often do we get promptings? Go over and talk to that person. Go over and, you know, say hello to that person. We're like, oh God, I don't know that I can. Like, what, what are they going to ask me and everything like that? Like, well, just do the first thing first and worry about the next thing next. So Philip goes over and starts walking next to the carriage. The next thing he does, he asks a question. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, Did you un- do you understand what you're reading? Just starts with a question. He doesn't say, um, let me teach you from this topic. He says, do you understand what you're reading? Simple question. The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he'd been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And I think we can pick it up on the screen now. Acts 8.34. So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. So as he's telling him the good news about Jesus, somewhere along the line, he obviously mentions baptism. Because as they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? You can, Philip answered, if you believe with all your heart. And the eunuch replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. He ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Look, here's some water. Can I just get baptized now? There's a story of a couple in our church that she came home from work and he'd been um, fasting and praying and and really just seeking God and was really excited. And as she walked through the door, he said, you want to get baptized? And she said, yes. So they filled up the bath. And she got baptized right then and there. There's some water. I want to get baptized. And yet sometimes we have this kind of block or, or we have this mental, logical thing. Well, what's the point and why should we? Everyone should get baptized. That's what the Bible says. Believe and be baptized. In the New Testament, it says those who believed what Peter said were baptized. In Acts chapter 8, verse 12, it says, But now the people believed Philip's message. He's preaching again of good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many women, also known as men and women, were baptized. They believed, so they were baptized. Why? Because that was the instruction that Jesus gave, made disciples baptizing them, inferring that if you're a follower of Jesus, baptism is something that happens now. At baptism, what can we expect? You can expect to go into the water and come back out of it. That's what you can expect. And, uh, you know, sometimes people feel like, is it going to be this woo moment? Maybe, maybe not. It's obedience. That's what obedience does. It doesn't rely on feelings. It just relies on, what do I need to do? Okay, I'll do that. For me, there was a feeling attached to it. You see, I had, um, I was 12 years old, believed in Jesus for sure. Absolutely. Followed him. 
not at all. <laughs> Total hypocrite. And then I was at someone else's baptism at the Lachlan River. I was trying to hide in the trees because my mates were playing cricket on the opposite bank up the hill. That's where they played cricket. And I was like, why do we do public baptisms at the river? I hate this. Oh, um, what's that song? I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. Like, come on. It's not what the dudes are singing while they're playing cricket. And, uh, and so I was embarrassed. And I stood there behind the tree and someone else was getting baptised and the preacher said, is there anyone else who wants to get baptised this morning? And my heart just started pounding and I knew it was my time. And I went into the water and got baptised. Now, I don't believe that I made Jesus Lord of my life until two years after that when I was 14 years old, sitting doing the overhead projector at church and realised that the way I was living, saying I was following him but not really, was not the way that he wanted me to live. But that was not the full life that he'd promised. That's when I made him Lord. But I got baptised because of this knowing that I had to at that moment. <coughs> now, that's my experience. I know plenty of people that got baptised completely out of obedience and it is no less valid, no less important. In fact, I believe somewhat more. They're not waiting for a feeling. They're just acting in obedience to what the Bible says and what Jesus says. You might say, do you need to be baptised to go to heaven? Well, I don't believe so. If you're talking about the act itself, no, I don't believe you need to be baptised to go to heaven. But if you're talking about the heart that says, I don't want to be baptised, I would, I would wonder about that. And I'd just say, why is that? Is that a hard heart? Is it a rebellious heart? What is it that you would not want to follow Jesus through the waters of baptism when he explicitly asks us to? And it's something that's not that hard to do. I just, you know, just go all the way into that and, and ask why you wouldn't want to. You might say... Um, did the thief on the cross next to Jesus get baptised? No, he did not. And if you're ever getting crucified and unable to get off the cross to get baptised, then that's a good excuse for you too. <laughs> Emotion is not a good enough reason. You don't need to feel it. You just need to obey. This is part of being a disciple of Jesus Christ, just following him, doing what he asks us to do. And so I'm going to give you an action point here this morning. There's cards on your seat. If you're like, yeah, I've been putting this off for too long, I just need to do it, I just need to get baptised, then you can go ahead and write your name on the card, hand it to the info team after the service. Or I want to show you a really cool thing because we're like this super high-tech church. And, um, oh, hey, Daz. If you thought you were cold this morning, Daz is in Armidale and Lee and Vicar in Gaira, so let's, let's not worry. Well, this is our, um, this is our website. And... Uh, if you're ever like, oh, I don't really like filling out paper cards, you can actually just go to our homepage and click on Tamworth there and fill out a Connect card online. But also, there's this really cool thing called Next Steps on, um, on the website. And you can go down, you know, if this morning you decide to pray a prayer, you've prayed a prayer, you can click on I've decided to follow Jesus. You can sign up for an Alpha course on there. But here's one that says Water Baptism. This morning would be a great time to click on that because when's a better time? Go down and hit Register. And then just fill in your details and get baptised. It really is as simple as that. There's really not that much more to it. So uh, as we go to the next point, let's watch the screen. And I apologise in advance for the quality of this video, um, but the guys who made it aren't as high-tech as the people that made our website. This story started many years ago in a Baptist church in Bournemouth, England. One Sunday night, the pastor, Dr. Francis Dixon, asked a man named Peter to share his testimony. 
Peter got up and said, this is how I was saved. I was in the Royal Navy. I was walking down George Street in Sydney, Australia, and out of nowhere stepped a gentleman, and he said to me, excuse me, sir, could I ask you a question? I hope that it won't offend you, but if you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? The Bible says that it'll either be in heaven or in hell. Would you think about that, please? Thank you. God bless you. Then the man left. I'd never been confronted with that question. I couldn't get it out of my mind. I got back to England, met someone who took me to a mission, and that's where I became a Christian. Some while later, they had a youth meeting in the same church in Bournemouth, and Noel, one of the visiting team, shared his testimony. This is how I came to know Jesus Christ. I was in the Royal Navy, and my ship was stationed in Sydney. One evening, I was walking down George Street when out of nowhere stepped a man. He said to me, young man, I have a question to ask you. If you should die tonight, where would you go? Would it be heaven or hell? Now, don't try to evade the question. It must be one or the other. What he said bothered me for many months. I sought out a Christian. He helped me and I gave my life to Christ. My Baptists love testimonies like that. The Baptist pastor from England was now very puzzled. Not long afterwards, he was preaching in Adelaide, South Australia, when he decided to tell the story of Peter and Noel's separate encounters with the man in George Street. As he did so, a man jumped up excitedly and said, I'm another, I'm another. I was drawn to receive Christ the same way by the same man on George Street. This was Corporal Murray Wilkes, who had been in a hurry to catch his tram on George Street, when a voice behind him called, Hey, wait! Murray stopped and turned around. The stranger in front of him asked, Soldier, if you were to die tonight, where would you go? Would it be heaven or hell? I hope I'd go to heaven, replied Murray. Hoping isn't good enough, said the stranger. You can know. The stranger's question had exposed a raw nerve in Murray's life. Although he was a good-living, church-going, married man, he also knew he was a hypocrite and had never faced the question of eternal destiny. Two weeks later, Murray knelt in the army barracks and gave his life to Christ. Dr. Francis Dixon continued his tour, and when preaching in Perth, he once again shared the stories. Afterwards, a young man came up to him and told how he too had been in the Navy, had visited George Street, and had become a Christian after meeting the stranger with his compelling question. When Dr. Dixon finally arrived in Sydney, he was eager to find out more about this urban missionary, and he asked a Christian worker, Who's this man in George Street? I know him well. His name is Frank Jenner. Francis Dixon was taken to a humble little house where he was introduced to Frank Jenner. As Francis related the story of the four young servicemen who'd come to know Christ through his simple question, Frank began to weep. I've never heard that anyone I'd spoken to had gone on for the Lord. Some made the decision when I talked to them at a Saturday night of witnessing and then came home for breakfast on a Sunday morning. Sometimes 30 people came home with me but I never knew any more than that. Frank had carried on this work for 16 years, and this was the first time he'd heard of any lasting results. I would say he really had to be committed to show that sort of gratitude and love for Jesus, to do that for so many years and not hear of any results. Over the next few years, Francis Dixon preached around the world, and he told the story of Frank Jenner from time to time. In the UK, at an evangelical convention, where pastors came to him, saying they had been arrested by the stranger with his startling question. In India, at a missionary convention where an Indian man had come to Sydney on one visit and had been confronted by Frank's question, he had received Christ and eventually gone into Christian ministry. In Jamaica, at a missionary conference where a couple of missionaries had come to Jesus years before at Frank Jenner's witness. In the United States, at a naval chaplain's conference, he shared about the man of George Street and his witness. A chaplain stood and shared that he too had come to Christ as a result of Frank Jenner's arresting question.
It's impossible to know how many lives were touched by that one-line sermon, but it's safe to say that Frank Jenner's legacy is measured in terms more lasting than simple numbers can convey. Frank recounted his own journey of faith, which is every bit as remarkable as the lives of those he touched. Before I knew Jesus, he said, I lived the wild life of a sailor to the full and had become addicted to gambling. Then in 1937, I met my Savior for the first time and my life was transformed. The addiction to gambling gone forever. In gratitude for his second chance at life, he pledged to serve God to the best of his ability. He said, each day my aim was to speak to 10 people about Jesus and I did so for 28 years until Parkinson's disease took its toll. In wartime and in peace, good times and bad, I continued with the work that I promised to do. It has been estimated that over the years, Frank talked to more than 100,000 people, actually more than most pastors would address in their lifetime. In later years, Frank's health deteriorated, and during his last days, he prayed, Lord, please take me home on a Sunday night. His last request was granted. He died at a quarter to midnight, just at the end of a Sunday night. The next morning, a ray of sunlight shone through the open window. It fell upon his beloved well-worn Bible and the solitary rose resting on it. No one except a little group of Christians in Sydney knew Frank Jenner. But I tell you, his name was famous in heaven. Heaven knew him, and you can imagine the welcome he received when he went home to glory. Jesus said, If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. Personally, I think Jesus confessed Frank's name very often to his Father in heaven. And conversely, Jesus said, if you don't confess me before men, I won't confess you before my Father in heaven. Actually, that's where it's best to be recognized, you know, in heaven, by your heavenly Father rather than on earth. Because that's where our reward is too. Personally, I don't think Frank Jenner's face would ever have been published on the cover of any prestigious Christian publication or his story carry more than a few paragraphs in a Christian magazine. But God has made sure that his story has been told to honor this man who honored Jesus so much. God bless you and empower you to be a bold and unembarrassed witness for Jesus Christ. It's very exciting. It's not about a formula, is it? It's not about a formula or a way to ask a question, but it is about availability. <coughs> and let me just... Is that like an Oscar thing? It's not where the clock's telling me. Um, but um, in actual fact, availability, I wonder... Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, in actual fact um, I wonder okay funny the first time (laughs) okay (laughs) okay I'm just going to ignore the lights um, which I find really difficult because of my ADHD and the whole squirrel nature of them Um, okay I was going to say availability 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 is something that we all wrestle with, am I right? Um, is it, or is it for you actually that you feel ill-equipped to be able to ask a question like that or even feel like that would be a question that would offend? I wonder if this morning you'd be so bold as to raise your hand if I give a reason that you identify with. Um, because I just wonder, like, you know, if we can't do that in here, I don't know how we're going to do anything out there. Who would say that they're just too embarrassed? Who'd just be flat out, yep, I'm just too embarrassed, yep, a few of us, yep. Who would say, I just feel too busy, I just don't know where I'd find the time. Yep, a few others. Who would say, um, actually, I feel ill-equipped. I don't know what I'd say. Yep, fair few. Who would say that um, actually, uh, it actually is just that I'm selfish. 
I'm just at the moment selfish. Good on you, honest people. Awesome. Well, not awesome. May God convict you. But, um, but we've all got reasons, right? We've all got reasons. So really, it's about availability. Here's something that I wonder if has happened in our modern day church. I wonder if this has happened. Because as a church, we've actually, if we go like here and here's the cross, and that actually, you know, the cross here is the point of salvation for people. I wonder if as a church, we've become so platform and program-based. Oh, excellent handwriting. That's why I was a doctor. And over here also, so platform and program-based. So in terms of before the cross, we've got so many, you know, and, and it worked for a time, didn't it? And it had tremendous results. Someone like Billy Graham came and did a crusade and it was phenomenal and amazing. And so many people gave their hearts to the Lord and, and, and God moved in our countries. Um, that, and then people were taught to invite along to something. And then also we have things like Alpha and people get taught to invite along to something, which is really great. And inviting and being a passionate inviter, like Daz talked about, inviting to the program, inviting to the platform where Jesus is going to be preached is fantastic. And then the other side of the cross, where we actually become Christians, the platform is great as well. You can come and learn about God, absolutely, on a Sunday. And, and maybe you can get into some kind of program and, and we rely on a program to inform people about Jesus and disciple them. But that's not actually ever what was meant to be the case. And we've just gotten used to inviting to the pr- platform and the program. Instead, forgetting that all of us are meant to be on mission and all of us are meant to be ministers And actually, we're not just meant to invite to the platform and to the program, but we're all meant to invite to Jesus. He's where it's at. And we all should be able to not just invite. And and inviting is great. You know, the Spirit and the Bride say, come. Always the Holy Spirit is drawing people to come. I'm not for a second saying don't invite to the platform and to the program. But let's be equipped. Let's equip ourselves to invite people to Jesus because he's the only one that really makes lasting change. He's the only one that really uh, is able to do anything with our lives. So the biggest thing I believe that we can do as Northwest Church is to recognize that we're all missionaries and we're all ministers. It's not that we're all just coming to church and that you come to bring them to the missionary and to the minister, but actually we are all missionaries and we're all ministers. I heard a beautiful story uh, this week, read a beautiful story from Helen about a woman in our church, Jodie Fawkes, offering to read the Bible with her. In that moment, Jodie is a minister. Jodie's a minister all the time. Well, not paid, but <laughs> thanks for your volunteering. Um, but Jodie's a minister all the time. But she just offered, that was so simple, to read the Bible with Helen. And Helen became a disciple. Imagine, we just hit the financial year. Imagine for this next financial year that each one of us would determine to reach one because we're missionaries. But not only that each one of us would determine to reach one, but each one of us would determine to teach one because we're ministers as well. We're not just missionaries, we're also ministers. I wonder if you could commit in your heart, if you'd allow God to say, yep, that's something you can do, and you would say, yes, okay, I'll do that. Is there someone that comes to your mind as it relates to reaching that you would go, yeah, I can pray for that person all the time. I can commit to trying to talk to that person, definitely, about God if an opportunity comes but if not I'll just come alongside them like Philip did and I'll just ask them questions like Philip did that's a really easy way for each one to reach one what about each one teach one maybe you're a connect group leader and you already do this or you're in a connect group and you're already helping people 
But maybe you could do something like Jody did with Helen and start to read the Bible with somebody. Maybe you could do a study with just one person called Christianity Explained. It's a study that I love to do. You can just do it in a cafe and um, it just takes, you know, your lunch break to do. It only goes for six weeks. And if you think that you would like to do that but you don't know about it, then I offer to do it with you so that then you know how to do it. So if anyone thinks, yes, there's someone that I would love to do that with, but I don't know how, I'll do it with you and then you can do it with them. Each one, reach one, each one, teach one. Remember, nothing is expected of you. This will not get you saved. This will not get you better points in heaven. It's not expected of you. It's simply commanded of you. So just finishing up today, I want to ask you a question. Have you made the decision to start a journey with Jesus? Have you made that decision to start a journey of being a disciple of Jesus? Is today the day to draw a line in the sand and say, God, I've been coming to church, but I haven't been following you. You've been a part of my life, but you're not the boss of my life. Is that you today? Will you draw a line in the sand? You've just been living your own way. That was me, like I said, at 14 years old. And I didn't put up my hand. I didn't pray a prayer. I just drew a line in the sand. So God, I don't want to live like that anymore. I want to live in a way that makes you happy. I want to live that full life that you talk about. And I can tell you, I was a brat for a fair few more years yet. But gradually, God took that decision in my heart and chipped away and chipped away. Today, you can draw a line in the sand. There's a woman that came to Jesus and she cried on his feet and washed his feet with her hair. And people looked on in offence and disgust. And he said that her sins are forgiven. There was another guy who got lowered through the roof of a house. And, and Jesus said to him, your friend's faith has made you, has saved you. So I don't need you to raise a hand this morning. I don't need you to have some kind of outward show to me. It just needs to be a line in the sand between you and God. God, I want to live your way. I want to make you Lord of my life. I want to be a true disciple and I want to make true disciples as well. And I encourage you, one of those first steps is just baptism. If you haven't done that yet, then that is a great and awesome step to propel you to the next part of your life. I'm going to pray and then we're going to stand. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for just the simplicity of the things that you do. Lord, just asking us to get dunked and leave all our sin behind and come up a new person. Lord, we thank you for that simplicity. We thank you that there's something powerful about it. And I pray that you would encourage people's hearts today to decide to get baptised. Lord, I pray that you'd encourage people's hearts and and help them to draw that line in the sand and make you Lord of their life, not a part of their life, not just a love of their life, but Lord of their life, where you are the boss, you call the shots, where you lead, they go. What you say, they listen to. All of us, God, I include myself. And Lord, also this morning, Lord, I pray that you would enable us and empower us by your grace to reach the people around us. Lord, help us to see with unselfish eyes, mighty God, Help us to not feel our lack, but your empowerment, Lord God. Lord, not that we need to be an expert, but that we simply need to love the people in front of us. Help us to come alongside them. Help us to ask questions. And Lord, show us what to say and how to say it, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's come to our feet. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? 
To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.